Well, we are in our final week of this series called Whatever It Takes. And Whatever It Takes, um, I, I, I really got this, of obviously, from our time in, in prayer. But also, we, we kind of get this sort of whatever it takes attitude in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. And this isn't my main text today. This is just one, one passage, just sort of our theme verse. But this theme verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so what that speaks to me is this, that this sort of whatever it takes sort of grit, this attitude, this, uh, and not by our own power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, but we're going to do whatever it takes through his power to accomplish our mission and our goal. And what is our mission? Well, we find our, find our mission in the great commandment and the great commission. And out of that great commandment and great commission to love God, love others, uh, to reach people, to, um, uh, to baptize them into the fellowship, uh, to teach them to obey, all of those things uh, can be summed up in five words, and that is fellowship, evangelism, discipleship, ministry, and worship. And we have taken, this is now week five, we've taken five weeks to really go over what our purpose is uh, for our church. And not just our church, but the big church. And so in, in week one, we talked about fellowship, how there's a pathway to fellowship. There's a pathway for you to get involved in the fellowship. It means accepting Christ as Savior, being baptized in the fellowship, just uh, coming to be involved, to be a part of it. And if you are a regular tender of a church, you are part of that fellowship. And and um, if you've accepted Christ as Savior, you're part of that church fellowship, the Bride of Christ. And so there's a pathway to fellowship. There's a way to promote the fellowship, to be able to tell others about uh, what's going on in the life of our church. Some of you may have been invited in the past or even today or maybe watching online. Somebody told you, hey, you watch, watch this church and, you know, whatever. And so whatever it is, however you got here or however you're tuning in, is because probably someone may have told you that. So we need to promote the fellowship. And it's not just to build up Lake Point Church. It's to build up the body of Christ. We are all part of the body of Christ, other churches around us and around the world. And so we need to promote the fellowship. And then last, we need to protect the fellowship. We need to submit to one another. And we need to be able to, uh, to uh, talk uh, to one another when there's issues, not about one another, but to one another. So when there's issues, we need to make sure we follow Matthew 18 on that. So you can go back and listen to that sermon. Uh, it's on our website. And then we also have week two, evangelism, uh, we, which we talked about um, the story of Zacchaeus and how Jesus was walking down the road and Zacchaeus was in the tree. He was distracted by a person that, that he needed to meet. And so um, when you and I walk through this life, there are many people in our lives that we get distracted by. Now, we get distracted in bad ways, of course. You know, just go to Walmart. You can be distracted by people, amen? But there are also people in our lives that we can be distracted by in a good way. That God's saying, hey, I need you to pay attention because this person is in your life for a reason. And so um, we can be distracted by that. We need to watch for those. And then when we do that, when we're distracted by that, we need to, wa- we need to look past the profile look past who they are, who they voted for, you know, the color of their skin, what side of the tracks they live on. It doesn't matter. We've got to look past their profile in order to reach them, just like Jesus did. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, not a great guy, not a great man of character. And so he looked past that. And then we need to be intentional like Jesus was. Hey, I'm coming to your house. 
Okay? We need to be intentional to have coffee with them. Okay? There's a guy in our community I have to share with you about. We had coffee again this week uh, that I'm just sharing Jesus with, just sharing my heart. And uh, he's probably watching right now online. And so when, when, when you're intentional to be able to meet with people, you're able to connect with them on a whole nother level. So we talked about evangelism. Week three, we talked about discipleship. And discipleship, uh, kind of a big word, it just simply means follow. We just got to follow. Follow Jesus. And that takes a one-time decision of accepting Christ as Savior, but it also takes an everyday decision. See, a, a Christian isn't someone who just accepts Jesus, um, a one-time decision, and continues on in their life and doesn't really, you know, connect with believers or read the Bible or pray and just doesn't do that. that that's not a true believer. A true believer is one who has a life change. God changed their heart with the power of the Holy Spirit, and then they can Continue to walk every day. Now, you're going to mess up. You're going to fail. I have failed. Okay? There are many, many times uh, throughout the week or throughout the month where I'll just, you know, make a mistake or do something intentional that's wrong. have to confess that sin before God the Father. But I continue to strive reading God's Word, praying, getting with other believers. And what that will do is that will help me to increase my faith. And the same with you as well. So being a disciple means to follow Jesus every day of our lives. In the last week, we talked about ministry. Ministry is, means just serving others through your gifts as you build the church. Okay? As you build the church. Now, you know, the Holy Spirit and, and God the Father grows a church but we edify the church. We, uh, through our gifts and our abilities, we do that. Now, how can you do that through your, through your gifts when you may not know what those gifts are? Now, know this. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has placed within you a spiritual gift, at least one spiritual gift. And then through other uh, things in your life, like your passions and your, and your experiences and your personality, God has created within you a certain shape about you that will help you to serve in your strengths. Every one of you, every one of us has a certain shape for ministry. And shape is an acronym that has five components. It's your spiritual gifts. It's your heart or your, your passions, what, something that wakes you up and in, the mor- in, in the morning and it's the first thing you think about, right? Your passions, your desires, okay? So spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, the abilities that God has given you, your personality, how he's wired you, and then your experiences, what he's put in front of you in your life. And so you, you could take all of those things, put it in the pot, makes a great big gumbo, and it tastes really, really good. And it tastes very unique uh, the way God intended it for you. And then you can serve and edify the body of Christ. Now, that sounds like a lot. I don't even know how to make gumbo. I like gumbo, okay? I don't know how to make gumbo, just like you may not know how to find your shape. But we have given you an opportunity to do that. So last week, I introduced a, a, an assessment tool. It's very simple. takes a little bit of time, but it's on our website. And so I would encourage you, and I've sent our, our church uh, family this, uh, this link. So I would encourage you, and thank you for those who already filled that out, to go to lakepointonline.com forward slash shape, S-H-A-P-E, forward slash shape, and then 
take some time to fill that out. You can learn a lot about yourself from that. And then we ask, and it's on the website, just you send it to shape at lakepointonline.com, email, just so that we have a copy of that as well, so we can then follow up with you to say, okay, how can we help you as a church to serve in your strengths and give you that opportunity? So again, lakepointonline.com forward slash shape. I would really appreciate you do that, and then we can all figure out how to serve in our strengths. So this week, this week's message is about worship. It's a final one of this series. And this is important for all the churches, for people to understand the importance of worship and how it's, uh, it fulfills our purpose as the body of Christ. You know, there are still churches that, um, that are still not back to their normal Worship service attenders, you know, pre-COVID, we're still kind of, kind of climbing out of that. But I want to encourage you to, to be a part of a church, to, to be a part of a local body of believers. Now, I tell people all the time, it could be this church, and it could not be this church. It could be another church, whatever. Uh, what, what we want you to do is to be able to get plugged in to a church into worship and to be a part of that fellowship. So I believe that coming to church worship service is, is you'll understand more about yourself and uh, it's a byproduct of your time alone with God. You, you, will, you will want to come to a worship service because of your time with the Lord. Now, I totally understand. There are people who are, you know, still um, trying to maneuver through this, trying to navigate through this, and trying to still stay away from crowds. There are people watching online that are like that. We totally understand that. But we also know that um, as soon as you're able, as soon as you got the freedom for the Lord to come and be a part of this, we would love for you to come and be a part of this worship service. But today, we're going to talk about worship, not in a way that we see it in our service today. Now, there are different types of worship services. You go to um, several different churches, even just around here in Emerson and beyond, and you're going you're gonna to sense and you're going to experience the different types of worship services, okay? We kind of rocked out a little bit this morning. We have band. We have some lights. It's Kind of, you know, might seem a little loud. That's just how we. That's how we roll. There's some churches that are, you know, probably have even more production uh, behind that than we do. There are some churches that man, all they have is a piano and an organ and they sing. But I have experienced, and you may have as well. I have experienced the the presence of God in many different types of worship services. And each church kind of has their own personality of the worship services. And, and what I love is the, the diversity of its creation. That's what it shows. It's like when you go outside and you see different types of trees or flowers, there's different diversities in God's creation and how they express one another. And just like that, our church has a unique uh, expression of worship, and just like every church, as long as worship is a part of that, and as long as it is biblical and authentic. And so what is authentic worship? What is biblical worship? What does that look like? Well, I, I feel like the best example of worship is found in the book of Isaiah. So if you would have your copy of God's Word, and turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. If you don't have that, we have, the, uh, we have that on the screen, or, or you may have that on your, uh, on your uh, digital device. But in Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, I feel like we get the true sense of worship. 
Now, Isaiah was, um, was a prophet. Now, if you really want to if you really want to read some incredible um, uh, prophecies uh, in the Bible, Isaiah nails so many of those, uh, like, you know, the birth, the crucifixion. I mean, in, in this passage right here, he literally, you know, sees a vision of God. And so Isaiah is filled with so many incredible prophecies and, and, and visions. And so, um, but Isaiah was a prophet, and um, he was good friends with, with um, King Uzziah, and we, uh, we pick that up here in verse 1 of chapter 6. And it says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe, the, the, it's kind of like a wedding gown, the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, angels, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Now check out this response from Isaiah. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar there in heaven. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Send me. So there's four components or attributes of authentic worship I feel like we get from this passage. So for us to understand what true worship is, what is it? Number one, it's us communing with the Holy God. We commune with the Holy God. Commune means to talk together with profound intensity and intimacy. We commune with a holy God. It kind of reminds me of, of um, our, uh, me and Suzanne's wedding when we're talking to one another and we're looking in each other's eyes and we're telling um, our, our, our oaths. You know, we're, we're sharing what we will do, our promises to them, our vows. And we are telling each one, the, uh, one another, look, I love you with the deepest of loves. And, and it's that communion, that commune time with one another. That's how it should be with the Lord, you and the Lord. You know, we, we, get, this, um, we get this sense that Isaiah is, is surrounded by the presence of God Obviously, and he's, he sees he sees so many things about heaven. So he's in this he's in this vision to where he's able to commune with God to be in that in that setting. He sees seraphim, which seraphim is is plural for seraph, and a seraph is an angel kind of being created by God in order to glorify himself. In fact, seraph literally means burning ones. These these heavenly creatures. Uh, remind us of the burning glory of God. 
And the Bible says right there that these, these seraph, seraphim, they have six wings. And, and Isaiah sees it as he's communing with the Holy God. And, and they have six wings. And I believe that these six wings symbolizes what they're doing with these wings. They symbolize something. Two wings that cover their face. A sign of humility. A sign of humility in, in the eyes of a holy God. With two wings that cover their feet. A sign of dependence. Meaning it's not by their own strength. It's only by God's dependence. And with two wings, they were flying. A sense of, of serving the Lord. So four out of the six wings is, is more of, of an, an attitude of worship. And you could, you could definitely worship the Lord in serving. But coming before God in a heart attitude of humility and dependence on him. These angels show us that. And they show us that, that this is how you worship the Lord. This is how you come before God the Father in humility and dependence, even before you can begin serving him. And so all of these characteristics display a posture to worship of a holy God as they cry out, holy, holy, holy. Notice they didn't cry out, love, love, love. We know that love is an attribute of God. Or they didn't cry out, mercy, mercy, mercy. Mercy is an attribute of God, absolutely. But his number one attribute of God is his holiness. That is something we have to understand when we come before God, is his holiness. When we stand in awe, we are separated from God because of our sin. And God is separated from us because of his holiness. He is a holy God. To totally commune with God takes humility and dependence as we see there in that vision. So as you and I come before God in holiness, whether it be together as, as a group, or whether it be just you and God, when you come before him, start off with humility. Start off with the dependence, depending on him and say, God, everything I have, it's not because of me. It's because of you, God. It's because of your goodness, God. Your goodness and your mercy, oh God. And I don't even deserve to come before you in prayer, but because of your mercy, I can. And, and, and I need your mercy. Please need your mercy as you come before him in humility. So it takes, true worship takes us communing with a holy God. And when you see and sense the holiness of God, you will do nothing more than to just fall on your knees or, or, or just bow your heart in worship to him when you pray. So worship, communing with the holy God. Second thing we see, contrite before a holy God. Contrite means to be filled with a sense of guilt. Contrite before a holy God. Look at Isaiah's response here in, um, in verse 5. In verse 5, he says this. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So, Isaiah is basically saying, look, I've seen the Lord, and because of his holiness, I am guilty. 
I'm guilty. Woe is me. And not only am I guilty, but my, my country is guilty. My, the people around me, we are guilty before a holy God. Unclean lips. He talks about the unclean lips. Uh, the reason he's talking about unclean lips is because from, from the heart is where our unclean lips show. So, so whatever we say about others or to others or, or what, you know, words that we speak or, or if, we, if we're talking foul language, you know, or, or if we're, we're laughing at dirty jokes or those kinds of things, whatever we're doing, yelling or in anger, all of that kind of stuff, whatever, whatever comes out of your mouth is from our hearts. And so that's why he says, that's why he says, I'm a man of unclean lips because my lips show what's in my heart. It shows what's in our heart. And so we've got to make sure that what is in our hearts is, is pure. And once we realize we're before holy God, we say, you know, the, the things I've said this week, oh my goodness, I need I need cleansing from that. I need come before him with a contrite heart, with a heart of guilt and conviction. We see this in, in Peter. When Peter was called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you remember the story, Peter's been out all night. They tried to fish, and G, they come near the shore, and Jesus says, hey, um, you, need to, you need to try this again. So why don't you go ahead and take, um, take the nets and uh, throw them out, and I want you to catch and try the other side of the boat. I want you to try to catch some fish. And he did. He obeyed. And then it was so much fish that the nets were breaking and they could barely get them in the boat and they had a call for help. And Peter fell down on his knees before he was called and said, oh, I, I am unclean. I am unclean. Because he realized he came face to face before a holy God, before Jesus and his holiness. And he said, Whatever, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I will do this. And so, but it takes that contrite heart, that heart that's filled with conviction. You know, there's no pride. There's no room for pride in, in, in our gatherings together in worship or your, or your gathering with just you and the Heavenly Father. We dare not come to this worship service with a, with a scorecard in our hand. I was saying, you know, hey, the, these things went well or, or whatever, and it's so easy to do that. We don't come in this, in this building ready to kind of rate things. We want to come before him with a heart that is ready to receive and to look upon the holiness of God. When you encounter the holiness of God, it breaks you. It breaks you when you encounter the holiness of God. It should break you. And that can happen in a song. That can happen in a sermon. That can happen, you know, maybe during announcements, I guess. I don't know. But when you come before God and you come face to face and you realize our sinfulness compared to his holiness, it should break you. And then, and, and there's other steps we see in this passage that you can deal with that. But we come to worship the one true God. And we come before him. And when we do, 
Maybe some of the things that happened the previous day or the previous week or whatever, maybe comes to mind and say, you know what, God? That's not right. That's not right. The, the things that I thought, the things that I said, those things aren't right. And it's not pleasing to you, oh God. And the Holy Spirit will speak. That happens quite often in my life as well, especially when I get into the Word of God and, and, and God's Word said, hey, you need to take care of this or this or that's not how you handle this or, or whatever. And so that contrite heart is very, very important. So we come before God. We commune with the Holy God. We are contrite before a Holy God. The next thing we see, and we see this in verse 6 and 7, we are cleansed by a holy God. We are cleansed by a holy God. In verse 6 and 7, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs and the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. That action symbolizes the cleansing of God. God's cleansing of Isaiah's sin through the seraph is a beautiful foreshadowing of the atonement of Christ. Like Isaiah, we tremble at the presence of a holy God. God is separated from us because of his holiness. We are separated from God because of our sinfulness. We gaze upon his holiness and we are gripped by our sinfulness. We realize that we can bring nothing to God to improve our condition. We are sinners through and through. We may, we may do good things. We may try to do good things in our community, in our family, to try to help alleviate some of that guilt. But anything we do, it just doesn't really work. Because it's only God who can do that, who can cleanse us. We cannot fix it. Because we are sinners and someone else must fix that problem. And Isaiah recognized that. And I would have, if I was Isaiah, I'd be pretty scared to have an angel, a being, just imagine this being, just bring, bringing a hot coal, you know, with you know, some tongs and putting it in my mouth, you know. But Isaiah was obedient to that. And it was, it, it's just symbolic that's what it is. It's symbolic of cleansing his life, cleansing his sin. And we get that atonement through Christ as we come before him. So someone needs to fix a problem just as Isaiah received the atoning, cleansing blood or the cleansing work of God. We get the cleansing of Christ through his blood. So what is worship? We commune with the holy God. We are contrite. We are broken before a holy God. We are cleansed by a holy God. All of these are parts of worship. All of these are things that you and I can experience in worship. Okay? And then the fourth and final thing we see, we see this in verse 8. We commit to a holy God. We commit to a holy God. Once we've been cleansed, we're ready to commit. Isaiah has, has been cleansed from sin, so when God calls him, he's ready to go. 
And so there's a, there, there is a progression here. There's a progression. We have communion with the Holy God, which leads to contrition, which leads to cleansing, which leads to commitment. This change that takes place because Isaiah has experienced God-given cleansing in his life. God can't really use us in a powerful way until we've experienced cleansing from sin. And I'm talking about uh, an ongoing thing. You know, we need to be cleansed from, uh, from our sin, you know, initially as we ask Christ to forgive us of our sin and ask him to come into our life, be Lord of our life, and to come and take full control. And we wave the white flag and we say, you know, God, I, I, Jesus, I need you. That's a one-time decision. But the every day, the coming before him, an ongoing sense of confession before holy God. And then, then God can truly use you to the fullness of his ability. When, when you think upon the fact that God has forgiven you of your sin, when you come face to face to that, you're going to do whatever it takes to fellowship with other believers. You will do whatever it takes to be evangelistic by sharing Christ with others. You will do whatever it takes in discipleship to follow Jesus every day. Do your best every day. There will be some days you won't. You won't pick up God's word. I, I understand. Yep, that happens to me as well. <gasps> yes, it does. There will be some times that you'll go on your own way. But you want to do everything possible to have that time in prayer and scripture reading every day. You'll do whatever it takes to serve him in your strengths, in your shape, to find out how God has made you in a way that you can help build up the body of Christ. And then you'll do whatever it takes to worship him, to have a life of worship, not only with, with you and God alone, but with other believers to come before him. That, that is a byproduct of you coming face to face with the holy God, realizing your sins and saying, God, I need to change. Just like Isaiah, I'm a person of unclean lips. In other words, I'm a, I'm a person with an unclean heart. So, let me ask you a very important question. Have you been cleansed? Have you been cleansed by the power of God? Now, whether you're here or you're watching online, have you accepted Christ as Savior? One-time decision. And here's the next question. Have you come before him on a regular basis and asked the Lord to cleanse your heart and your life? Have you come before him and have you said, God, I am, uh, I, am, I am unclean. I have done these things in my life. I have said these things this past week, this past month, whatever it is. I have thought these things and I need to come before you. Have you done that? I want to encourage you to do that. So every head bowed, every eye closed as we come to an important time at our in our worship service, I want to make sure that you are given the opportunity 
to come before a holy God because God is here in this place. The Bible says we're two or three or more gathered in the name of Jesus, which we are, that he is here in our presence, in our midst. And so, Heavenly Father, we ask you, Lord, that you do what only you can do. Lord, show us your holiness. As we were praying before the service and, and, and people were coming in here and, and asking the Holy Spirit to fill this place, we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you do your work in the hearts of people, not only in this place, in this room, but those who are watching or listening online right now. Lord, you are a holy God. We are separated because of our sin and because of your holiness, and they just don't mix. But you purchased the right for us to be able to come before you with Jesus through his blood, through his sacrificial life, his death, burial, and his resurrection. And Jesus is the reason why we can come before you, O oh God. But Heavenly Father, Search our hearts. And if you've never accepted Christ as Savior, you can do this right here, right now. And it's real simple. You just say these simple words. Dear Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you can forgive me of my sin. I confess my sin to you. Please come into my life. Be Lord of my life. I want to follow you. And if, and if you're sitting here today, if you have, you have accepted Christ as Savior at some point, but maybe, maybe there's some things you, you've done or, or, or said or, or thoughts you've had over the past week, past few months, that you just need to confess that to God as you realize that doesn't mess with his holiness so you can just confess that at this moment at this time Heavenly Father we come before you thank you Lord for showing us that that passage in Isaiah that it's important for us to commune with you and realize and we realize that you're a holy God. And then we come broken, contrite before you when we realize that our sin is not taken care of. Lord, that our sin has not been confessed to you. And Lord, as we, as we come broken before you, help us, Lord Jesus, to be cleansed by you. Lord, cleanse our hearts. Cleanse our hearts, Lord Jesus. And Lord, it's then and there that we can truly say, I commit to you, Father. I commit to you. Lord, you're asking us, who, who, who shall I send? Lord, we can say, send me. Send me. Because I've realized my sin. I've come broken before you. And I've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So send me, Father. Send me. We love you. Thank you 
Lord, for speaking to us today, for moving in our hearts today, for showing us your holiness. Lord, help us get back to the heart of worship, to the very heart of worship. Lord, it's not about us. It's not about, it's not about our opinions of what worship should be like. Lord, it, it, it's really all about you. Help us, Father, to come back to you. In Jesus' name.